Howdy, disciples. Believe it or not, this episode with Sean Cameron marks the beginning of season two of the Creator's Calling podcast. I can't tell you what a blessing it has been to do the show. And Wendy and I want to thank you so much for listening, for your comments, and for telling others about the show. The Lord has done some awesome things, and he's worked through each and every guest that's been on. And to each of my guests, we want to say a special thank you to you as well. You've taken the time. You shared so many wonderful things that have affected so many people. And we are so grateful and honored that you did what it took to get the show done. Because, you know, sometimes there are challenges, but you persevered and it is so appreciated. Disciples, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to season two and all the Lord is going to do. And our prayer is that his name is glorified with each episode that's recorded. With all of that, let's get to this latest episode with Sean. There are a lot of parallels between being in the arts and ranching. There's so many unknowns, so much out of your control. And in the midst of it all, there are so many unexpected events that can literally uproot you from familiar places and people and land you in an entirely new and largely unknown situation. My guest on this episode calls these challenges times of unsettling. And it's an appropriate phrase. What she shares with us will encourage and strengthen you as you seek to follow the Lord and the call that he has on your life. Howdy disciples and welcome to the Creator's Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Madsen. On this episode, we're going to sit down and talk with Western painter, Sean Cameron. There is a quiet strength and confidence in the Lord that Sean has that will build you up as we visit with her. If things are unsettled for you right now, boy, the Lord has so much to minister to you. Let's get started. Sean Cameron, welcome to the Creator's Calling Podcast. Hi, Kurt. It's great to be here. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Uh, you know, one of the things that Wendy and I have admired, uh, golly, all we've known you guys a long time, you and Dean both, is how you guys always have such a kind word, you're always so upbeat, and the light of the Lord just shines whatever we see you at whatever venue it is. Um, you guys are just a great testimony to the Lord. And of course, your work is certainly that. So I'm really looking forward to what the Lord's going to do uh, on the podcast today. Oh, well, thank you so much. Those are those are very kind words. That's well, what we can hope is that the people see the Lord, huh? You bet. Oh, you are sure right. And they sure do with you guys. Both of you are just fantastic. Well, we're going to start here and we'll kind of let the see with how the Lord works through this. Let's start off just hearing a little bit about your personal background, you know, where you were raised, family, that kind of a thing, and then transition for us into how did you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Oh, okay. Um, well, I am from an agriculture background, both my parents. I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, 
and grew up below Buckeye in Arlington. My, um, my dad and my grandparents worked together. They had mostly ran cattle, feed hmm. yard ranches. Um, and it was, it's, Dean and I joke, we went to high school together, but we say we grew up in Mayberry. It was just a great little town. Buckeye was at that time. Farmers mainly supported it. It had one bakery, one drugstore, two grocery stores, um, and one high school that was a union high school. Everybody went into it, and uh, it was just a great place to grow up. Um, I started dating Dean in high school, and I had come from a family that my mom took us to church, my brother and I, uh, but no, and they just told me I was a Christian. They said, oh yeah, we're Christians. We look where we live and what we do, and um, but nobody talked about salvation. I had never heard that word and until I ran into Dean and his family. And we um, started dating when steady. We dated earlier, but when I was a senior, beginning my senior year in high school, and what most attracted me to him was that he seemed to know this Jesus personally. It wasn't just uh, somebody in a book or it wasn't somebody we just heard about. Um, he didn't wear it on his sleeve, but if anybody, I would ask a lot of questions, and he always had an answer. Mm -hmm. And I, I uh, not just an answer, it was the right answer. And that attracted me more to him than anything else. And by November of my senior year, he told me he was going to marry me. And I said, oh, I laughed. I thought, that's a joke. That's funny. He says, I'm not joking. <laughs> In January, the, um, the Vietnam War was going strong, and Uncle Sam wanted Dean. So he took off. He asked me to wait for him. And just before he went to Vietnam, we were engaged. And it was a long wait and a difficult time, but we were married two weeks after he got back. And uh, we were married at the ranch, the Horseshoe Ranch, where my family lived. And um, Dean had been, Dean was given the job of crew chief for the general at Fort Carson. And we stayed there a year. And my dad then invited him to come back to the ranch to work uh, while he was waiting for um, a class date at Embry-Riddle Embry University in Florida where mm. he's going to be uh, going into aviation. Oh, yeah. But um, Dean discovered he loved ranching. And he, I think he pretty much loved um, the outdoors and uh, being out there after being involved in a lot of combat in Vietnam, being out in a way mm. uh, suited him. Um, so that we ended up staying there for 24 years Wow! and raising our children there. Um, we had within four years, we had three children, which were just such a blessing and wonderful. Every, everything was healthy. Everybody was good. Mm. 
I was feeling a little overwhelmed one day and um, I had remembered a conversation. I laid the kids down for a nap and I remembered a conversation with Dean's mother. I would ask her a lot of different questions about the Lord. Oh yeah. And one day she said, Sean, um, people stumble over the simplicity in the Lord. And I said, what do you mean by that? Because I was a show me person. Nobody could tell me what to think. And Mm -hmm. made her explain. She said, well, read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And and it will explain. And so finally, I had a moment to myself and I got my Bible out. And I read that. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God not as a result of work so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Mm. And so I discovered God's an artist and that was a real awakening to me. I put my Bible down and I, I got down right then and I said, Lord, this is so hard. Wow. Um, I need your help. I can't do this. I've got three children. I've got a family and I don't know what I'm doing. You help me. And I want you in my life and I want you to lead me completely. Mm. And um, I didn't feel an instant change, but I did discover then that when I tried to read the Bible, I could understand what I was reading. Oh, wow. And I I had tried and tried for years to, um, I'd memorized the 23rd Psalm. I had no idea what I was reading, but I memorized it. (laughs) Um, But suddenly I I would read a passage and I got all the footnotes that I could and I would just go back and forth and I couldn't get enough of it. So that to me was a big change and I was excited. I wanted to tell somebody, look what I found. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's not, what, it's not what I'm doing. It's what he did. Yeah. And I ran up and I told my mom and my dad and my grandpa, they were all there, but they weren't as excited as I was. And that was real, really disappointing and frustrating to me, but God is so good with before long in before we left there, all three were saved. Oh, wow. That's, so, oh, that's excellent. What a great testimony of the Lord's moving. That was such a great testimony, Sean, you with you coming to know the Lord, you getting all straight. And then within such a short period of time, your family comes to know the Lord too. What a great testimony about the faithfulness of the Lord. Oh, God is so faithful. And they, they didn't come to know the Lord right away but in mm-hmm. a, a period his in god's own timing he did bring them around to know and um i'm just so grateful that that he did that and that he did the work and um it was it was wonderful how it all happened and we were just grateful that we could have been part of that as far as presenting that verse to him to them and how simple it was yeah yeah. And to be able, and I'll tell you the other thing that was so exciting to me is when you talked about when you got down and you prayed to the Lord and received him as Savior, and then suddenly how the word of God came alive to you and you began to understand it. 
um, you know, how many times do you talk, you hear people talk about, oh, I can't understand. And they, because they don't know the Lord and, you know, it is spiritually discerned. And to be able to see that just so immediately in your life, that's, that is just exciting. It was, <laughs> I was excited. <laughs> yeah. I can understand why I would have been too. Yeah, it is when you can understand what you're reading and you know how important it is and you've been trying for years to understand it, um, you it is exciting and yeah. to know why that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then it gives you that heart to get out there. And what I love about what you said too is that you were just you wanted to share it so much. You were so excited. Um, and I this whole thing, the way Dean came alongside, the Lord brought him into your life and had those answers. Uh, all of that is just a great testimony to the Lord and how he works in people's lives, you know, to bring them to himself in different, so many different ways. Oh, it is. Um, Dean actually was pretty wild in high school, and I wasn't real sure this is what God wanted for me. <laughs> I would, I would, I prayed. I thought, Lord, um, maybe you don't want me with this person, but he kept bringing me back and Mm. Dean and I both talked about how God brought us together and we're we're pretty sure of that. Yeah. Nice thing. That it's it's quite a story. That's just great, Sean. I love that. <laughs> now when when you came to know the Lord, you said the first thing that happened is that you began to understand scripture, which is pretty darn exciting, uh, impactful. Is there what other changes did you see in you? And how you viewed the world even uh, after you began to really walk with the Lord? Well, it was, uh, I think I mentioned that one reason I got down on my knees is I told the Lord, this is hard. And mm-hmm. I, I need your help. And he came in in that area. Um, I had a piece about things I um, it, I could feel his presence as I made, tried to make decisions with the children or, or whatever was going on in our life. Um, I felt like I wasn't alone. And uh-huh. times I, I really had felt alone. Um, anyway, that was a big, a big difference. And I knew now I could go to the word and I knew where to get my strength. And there was so much to learn. Um, and I, I've still got a lot to learn. Here, all these years later, I'm still studying. And it's something, it's a practice that I've never quit. And I continue to learn things. And God is so good to teach me every time. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. What are some of the, when you talk about learning and just growing in the Lord, what are some of the things that you do? to facilitate that so that you can grow? Well, for me to grow in the Lord, I needed to um, have a lot of references and cross-referencing. And I I went through several Bibles with footnotes. And Mm. currently I am using a John MacArthur Bible with a a lot, half the pages, footnotes. And I love that. Um, that. That definitely helps. And I've been a person that has really enjoyed a Bible study on a subject. And I've been in a lot of um, ladies' studies. And I can't even, off the top of my 
head think of any I'll, right now we're currently studying elijah mm. but that that's um so helpful to me mm-hmm. and dean and i will listen to a podcast um by different people that we think are helpful and the podcast you're doing is very it's insightful and makes me want to learn more i'm a curious person so i there's a lot of things that spark my interest and i'll look further into it oh that's so good and it's so good to hear that about your curiosity you know that just that wanting to know more that's so exciting because it's so easy to fall into a place where you just you know that you can lose some of that and i love hearing about that 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 you just continue to have that hunger and thirst after after the lord and to grow in him i think um to me i my i drove my parents crazy with questions i'm <laughs> uh, a very patient person i'm constantly asking him things but art and the bible are two sources that are never i i don't think i'll ever get to the end of answers I can mm. delve into it and I continue to learn things. And I love that. Yeah, it, it's great. That's so great, Sean. That's just so great. Now, let's move into how did the Lord move you into your calling? Um, there's, you know, everybody has a, kind of a different path. So how is it that you went, you got into the art world and how did all that happen? Well, I, I was, as most artists, I was drawing and painting and whatever from a child. And I, we had both my brother and I loved art and our mother was very encouraging. She bought us, uh, she was an artist, although she didn't go professional in that direction. He owned professional art supplies, a Peshad box that she gave me, and I'd go down to the river with oil paints when I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. And um, she gave clay, not not the kind you buy in the dime store, but the professional the clay like you use, Kurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we had access to materials. <clears throat> and in the summer... Um, we lived at the ranch. There was no electricity, no no TV, no phone, nothing. Um, so either we rode horse or we did art. And I was, um, I, I really, I love solitude. I'm a person that the Lord and I have a great time together. Mm. We, he's my best friend. And he, I think I, um, even from a child, when I was wanting to know him, those times became so special. But as I um, grew older, um, well, actually, it was after we were married, and I would go into the I'd feed the cowboys in the morning and go into the laundry room four o'clock, waiting for them to get done with breakfast and and draw or paint or what you know, a small little corner. Dean encouraged me and about little, I guess it was 32 years ago, signed me up for a class with Schufelt, Robert Schufelt. Oh, yeah. And I, oh, that was just a whole new world open to me then. I loved it. And um, I, I just, I learned a lot about the art world, about drawing in general. And then we became friends with um, 
we actually started going to a Bible study in at Bill Owens Ranch. It was oh. a, and uh, we there was a group of us. We had known him, we'd met him, but we became better acquainted. And the Bible study was held right in his studio. So I would, you know, of course, stand there and look at his paints and look at his work. And mm -hmm. he got, so he was very comfortable talking to me. And uh, over the years, I would say he probably was my biggest mentor. And he he and Joe Beeler would come to the ranch and they encouraged me. Um, they would even call and say, how are you doing? And, you know, encourage me to, to get in the studio. And Joe would say, let that paint fly, Sean. <laughs> 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 and it was, it was, uh, it was an encouragement. I was never somebody ever i'm just not made that way that said i want to be famous i want to um i want to get out in the public that i mean i'll run the other direction before doing what i'm doing right now or <laughs> standing in front of my art or um i just did it because i loved it and i was i had a drive inside me that made me want to know more and to go in that direction and I had people come before me that actually came to me to encourage me, which the, it was totally the Lord, I feel, that did that. One day, I, uh, I, I told the Lord, I, I don't know if I can do this. I'm actually going to have to stand by my work. I'm going to have to talk to people. Uh, this is not me. I don't <laughs> like it. And it was just, I was praying and it was very clear. Suddenly he said, Sean, this is not about you. Um, don't think this is about you. I'm going to do something else and, and I'm just using you. So I don't know what he's doing, but he, he said, all you have to do is obey me and I take care of the rest. So I thought, okay, thank goodness this is not about me. I can stand there and know it's not about me. Yeah. Um, and I've still had to grow through that where now I can stand at a show like the Night of Artist. And um, I know this is not about me. I did the best I could. The Lord helped me. And I'm here. And now let's see what he's going to do. Oh, boy. You know, oh, that is so good, Sean. So often, you know how easy it is. Any of us, you know, they're in the, the business. It's so easy. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter the genre of the arts that we're no. in. No. Man, we can get so caught up with, boy, howdy, look at me. Exactly. Yeah. And I love how the Lord ministered that to you. And that gave you the, uh, the confidence to be able to just move forward and it took the pressure off it did exactly yeah i felt i felt um a responsibility to grow and i you know i'm feeling i'm realizing that more and more you know i love sean that you what you said there about you feeling that responsibility to grow and that inner yearning of being of wanting to really honor the lord in what you're doing and that hunger that you have to do that Yes, it's um, that's that re feeling of responsibility has been part of maturity. It was a, it was an I would describe it more as an anxiety as I was younger. Wow. But now, <laughs> I um, I guess I've 
channeled that into a feeling of responsibility in that God is going to take me where he wants to take me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel like a failure or I'm not going to feel like a success. I'm going exactly where God is wanting me to be. And I mean, that will all be success in my eyes if I'm in his will. That is one of the most, you know, you hear people, different people define success. What you just said is one of the most important definitions of success that I've heard. And that is just following the Lord's will and what he has. That, well, I believe it. Um, there's been a, a lot of living going into coming to that conclusion. Dean and I, uh, lived uh, we've lived a lot of life together been married 52 years and um in an you know the cattle business and the art business are very challenging at yes times. Mm -hmm. it never uh it's nothing so much depends on the lord there's not many people in agriculture that aren't christians because you depend on the lord to make it rain you, cattle prices so many things no matter how hard you try how good a job you do there there's other factors in at play um and we have um well it's been interesting this the study that i'm in right now is on elijah and it's about being uh, him being unsettled and how god moved him from one location to another mm -hmm. until he eventually he had a an ultimate goal in mind and use for Elijah that Elijah had no clue of, but he was obedient and went where God wanted him to. And God used that time to prepare him and strengthen him. Mm. When he went to the brook of Cherith, the ravens fed him. God, he was totally dependent on the Lord. Yes. And there's been times that Dean and I have been that way. We, we have um, financially crashed a few times. No, not that anybody was doing anything wrong. Cattle prices, um, droughts, other things come into play. And um, so we've started over. And it, not only each time we had to refigure how to do our life. And we, were, we remained in the cattle business until just a few years ago. And now our children are doing that. So we're involved through them. But I had to start over with my art. Uh, you know, okay, pack up, start over. Where am I, I going to do it? And how am I going to do it? And am I going to do it? Does God still want me to do this? Um, so it takes, uh, it takes a lot of faith in knowing you're in God's will to keep going and not get discouraged. Yeah, you know, that is, uh, what you just said is so uh, important for everybody to hear. And it's, you know, I, I make it sound cut and dry, like, yeah, you just move, you trust the Lord. And, but it's it's not easy, and it's not easy for anybody. And those times at Cherith can happen as far as a physical move, or it can be um, some people experience health problems. There's mm. a lot, the Lord pulls us away in a lot of different ways but if we lean on him he can use those times to strengthen us and that's that's what i've learned i'm not yeah. trying to preach but just that's my life i've been unsettled a few times and um 
I, I finally learned to listen to the Lord. Some of those times I, um, I actually got very discouraged and I thought I'm here. I am, you know, I was leaning on you, Lord, and I don't, I don't hear you. I don't see you and look what's happening. Things aren't going well. And I don't, I think you've abandoned me. Um, and he hadn't, um, finally, one of those times, um, I realized, Lord, we've got to pull this together. And I fasted for three days and prayed hard and went into the word. And I, I could feel his presence coming. He, he had never gone anywhere. It was just me worrying mm-hmm. about my situation and our situation and um, our life. And the Lord came back in, and from that time on, I I have really, really stayed in the Word. Uh, and we've both been strengthened by those times of unsettling. You know, Sean, it's so interesting. Uh, you talk about being these times of unsettling. So you've moved, you know, so many different times. And about both of you being strengthened by those times. Now, when you talk about these times of unsettling um is it uh talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges you know uh in terms of was that unsettling not just of course you have the moving end of it but also how did you uh deal with it in terms of going before the lord with that and how what were some of the ways that you were strengthened and dean both you know for both of you going through those times how did the lord strengthen you as you went through them well it's it one thing that God does during those times is he has a way of stripping you of pride. He, um, we can make all kinds of plans for our life and, and say, we want to do this. We're going to do this. Yes. This is what I am going to do in just a few years. And I have all these plans ahead of me um, and worry about what other people are thinking of you in the mm-hmm. meantime. Where when you go through repeated unsettlings of all those plans, not working the way you wanted them to be, um, it, with our situation, God brought us around to saying, okay, Lord, we give up. What do you want? To, what do you want to do with our life? And he, uh, it, what we both look back now, it was a difficult time. But we are so grateful for how he remade us and put us back together. Not We're not perfect, but we are a lot more pliable. We are a lot more willing now to accept his will in our life, where we said we did before, but we still were trying to do it ourselves. So that's, um, we're a lot happier. Um, because we're not trying to prove anything to anybody. Um, and it's, it's been, God has really come in for us as far as we lean on his word every day and we accept whatever he brings our way and know that whatever it is, he's going to be glorified through it. If we lean on him and make each step according to his will. Mm-hmm. He says, "My word is a lamp unto my. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." Yeah. He only 
shows us one step at a time. And the path is ahead is pretty dark, but he only lights a little bit of it. And we finally figured that out. That took a long time. <laughs> but, you know, what you said there is so uh, it, it's, it's quite powerful. Uh, the fact that you became I love what you, what you said there about being more pliable. And being able to just, you know, whatever the Lord brought, then you could just move right into that, into whatever it is that he had for you there. And it brought with it that willingness, whatever takes me. And then it, how it came to, you're not trying to prove anything. It is so easy to be in the place where that's what happens. You're always trying, you know, with the, the arts, with the arts in the world, all the rest of it. There's a lot of people trying to prove a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Um, that's human nature, really. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I guess it's, uh, it's just the way we're, we're human, no matter how much of the Lord we want in us, we, we're still human. And we, we tend to do those things. We do. And it's what you, these things, how you allowed that to be able to come to a place because I can't imagine when you come to the place where you say, I've got nothing to prove. This is all about the, the Lord's glory. The change that that must bring into your life, uh, both from an emotional, spiritual standpoint to, to your work as well. It seems it would be very freeing. It is. Um, well, when you realize the truth of that statement, and it, it did take a long time to realize the truth. Um, Dean, in, I mean, Dean and I have been married so long, I, I talk in terms of we, because most of my life's been that way. Um, but I guess we both had a toughness about him, about ourselves, that was, that made it, you know, we were, we were trying to show, I come from a very, I come from a pioneer family who's tough on both sides. You don't show your emotions. You don't show your feelings. You just tough it out. You don't cry. You don't, you don't call for help. And Dean came from that same type of family. And uh, two people marrying and then <laughs> it's, um, that it really doesn't work too good. The Lord wants us pliable so he can use us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing what he'll do to get us there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that is so true. I I just love that. That's that's so good, uh, and the fact that you see that progression in your life, um, and then the happiness and the joy that it brings. You know, because if the, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, you know, Nehemiah eight ten tells you the joy of the Lord is your strength, and if that's true, then those are the things that that come out of everything that you've just spoken about. And that that's exactly true. Joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is just being in that position where you know God's in control. That's a joy. I love that definition, Sean. That's excellent. I, that's my definition I've come to. That, and you can have that joy no matter what's going on. <clears throat> Yeah, that is right. And in this world, there's plenty going on that can just try to pull you down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a harsh world we live in. Um, it's a, The world is, is pulling harder than it ever did to pull us away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think that, um, and I'm not sure what you wanted to talk about now, but 
that's where I feel art, music, poetry, writing has a role is to bring us into that soft place where we where um, the Lord can speak to us. Um, I know I've been at an art show and I, I've had men come because of what I do. A lot of people will walk up to Dean and say, good job. I really like what you've done here. Oh yeah, sure. And, but then they'll turn to, they'll realize it's me. And so then they, they stand there and they talk to me and, but they, uh, these are men who've done very important things in their life. Um, and it's just, I mean, I can tell that you sense that obviously they've got the money to buy art there at this show, but they, they, um, they're in a different place when they're standing before a painting and they want to talk about how it makes them feel how they're responding to it and they want you to tell what you felt when you painted it and really that that's um god uses any form of good art to do that where we're softened and he can speak to our heart i feel Mm -hmm. that's you know that is a great way of putting it too because you do uh because just as you said so much of the hardness of the world and i love your expression there about it, it brings a softness art brings a softness into hearts emotions lives that can become so calloused and hard yeah i've i've seen a lot of tough i mean the world i live in is full of tough men and women mm -hmm. And, um, but there's a soft side too, but it is so easy when things don't go right or the world is, things are going wrong to become hardened. Um, and one time I was at the Prix de West and a man bought a painting. It was of some horses running by and, um, openly. And I, so I sat down beside him and I said, is everything all right? And he said, I have been through so much lately. He had had to sell all his art. Um, he had, he was depleted of, of that around him that made him feel good. He said, this means so much to me to be able to start over. And this is the first of my new beginning. And I just, I was thinking how God does not want us hard and calloused. He wants us just as that man sitting on the bench. He wants us pliable where, where he can speak to us and we're receptive. Yes. You know, that story it is such an impactful one. And it tells you the power of what art can do. And you're with your art where the Holy Spirit is in the middle of what you're creating. And he uses it because you know, you're right there. And what the Lord is doing as he ministers through your work, he's using your work to minister to, to these people's lives. Uh, it is really impactful to hear how your work was perceived and the effect that it had on this individual. I think we, we don't know. Um, my, I, the Lord told me it wasn't about me. Mm -hmm. So obviously that wasn't about me, but it is amazing how we, I don't really know what was going through that man, man's mind, but God was speaking to him. I feel because, mm -hmm. he, and hopefully um, 
he knew the Lord and will come. I don't know that story at all, but, but God does a lot of things um, on the outskirts that we, it's a trickle down effect. And we, we have no idea what he's doing with, with what we do. We just give it to him. I just uh, on a story on that line. Um, I enjoy Gary's um, recording that you did. Um, that had that started the crisis fund oh yeah 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 um, yeah it's also arizona i was blessed to be on the first crisis fund board in Arizona, which they patterned after after what gary did and he had no idea when he started that that it was going to affect so many lives and now dean is on the board but um yeah that's anyway the things we do affect so many people and you have no idea how far reaching it is. That's the truth. Wow. That, you know, that, that's really interesting, Sean, uh, to see the links, what the Lord puts together there. Uh, like you say, we just don't know. We don't know what the Lord, he just can do so much with so little, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. We oh. just do what he tells us to do and he takes care of the rest. There you go boy isn't that that is the truth well you have uh you've certainly been a, a, a great example of that and the things that you've shared so far are just so encouraging about the lord's ability to take the littlest things and to just do all kinds of things with it and, and places of brokenness as well right and that's the amazing thing there really are no little things with him mm -hmm. because he's the one that puts it together to make something great yeah, that boy, that's the truth. That is the truth. When you think about the work that you do, how would you like to see your work influence the world for Christ? Um, well, let's see. Um, again, <laughs> <laughs> it's not me, so I don't know exactly what God is going to do with this, but one thing I, I do see is the people I am painting are real. The places are real. And I am hoping that when I stand by it, I most everybody, because I have a story, I can tell the story of these people. I can tell the story of that situation. Um, I was there. I and It is interesting how people like to know something is real. Well, when in in my work, I I am telling a true story, um, and I believe that it means something to people. I had a man walk up one time again at the Prada West, and he said, "I like that painting over there, and I like this painting. I like your painting. You tell me why I should buy your painting." Oh wow! I know. Yeah. So I said, "Well, I can't tell you why." you should buy my painting. And I, I think that's a beautiful painting over there. But I can tell you about this painting. I'll tell you the story. And I mm -hmm. told the true story of this man in the, in the cowboy. He was my husband's partner, Dean's partner, and what they were doing. And I, I said, I can, that, that much I can tell you. And he said, well, I like a true story. And he, he bought it because of that reason. Um, so I, I thought that was, I realized that the fact that I have something, these people are real, the place is real, 
um, that means something to people. Yeah. The, the art, beautiful art is beautiful art. I'm not saying that's the most important thing, but in my situation, that that's one thing I've got is I have a real situation and real people and um, it me it seems to mean something. I, I do believe that Western art in general um, roots people, grounds people a little bit. It's a connection to um, what formed our country. Most of those people were Christians. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's important. Um, otherwise, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, what you said there is, is really good. You know, when you think about Jesus, he was always telling uh, parables. So there were a lot of reasons for the parables. Right. Um, but they were stories to make uh -huh. certain points, theological points, or to, you know, to make things look a little. So people would see them freshly. And what you said there about, because we live in a world where uh, there is so much that isn't real. Right. Exactly. And when you talk about this, this is this cowboy. We know this guy. This is what happened. You're giving them that story. And we are story beings. And of course, when you look at the Bible, what do you see? You see story after story after story. You know, it's a very artistic work, uh, purely from a literary standpoint, let alone all of the wonderful, you know, the things that the Lord did and how, you know, the fact that it's God's word. But what you said there about people wanting truth and wanting the, the reality of something, I think is really key to what you bring and to what an artist, regardless of the genre brings to the people. And when it's empowered by the spirit, it's, it, it's just super powered, so to speak, because you're, you're talking about the Lord, no matter what it is that you're presenting. Yeah. I, I think about, I often, I, I think about Philippians four, eight through 12, where it says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, mm -hmm. whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that that's, I, I think about that when I paint the subjects that I'm painting that these are honorable people and and that's one reason I have stayed with the subject matter and I, it's my world I would have had to have gone a long ways to find something else to paint but um, it is all those things to me they're not perfect but they are honorable and of good repute and so I just trusted the Lord to use it but I, I do believe people see a lot of western art in that light yeah i think that i think you're absolutely right in that uh and you know when you when you read off that philippians 4 passage and everything that is there that is something that the world needs to see more and more of and everything and when they look at one of your pieces and they see that uh that is pointing to that truth that you just quoted out of scripture uh even though it's in a, a visual form that's right. all there well that's that's what I hope. And um, I have no apologies <clears throat> for the story or any of that. And, and I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, what's the greatest joy about what you do, Sean? <laughs> well, <clears throat> a 
a gun I have in the studio. I I just um it is wonderful to go in and pray and and I, I sound like I'm being very superficial with all this, but and I sound very needy and I guess I am. I I need him and I really do. And I I go in and I pray that he's going to help me and just knowing that I am in his will, that is one of the greatest joys about what I do. Mm. And I'll ask him to show me a way to, as I've said, um, to reveal a message or to say a message. And when I learn something, and it'll seem like I do, that is wonderful. And one of the greatest joys, and I love art shows for this reason, is when I am standing by a painting, and some of these stories that I've told when people purchase them, the last show at the Night of Artists, uh, I did a portrait of our son, which was mm. a uh, risk. I mean, it was just him uh, in in a tough, he was seated in a saddle mm-hmm. doing what he does. He runs the ranch up north. Uh, but a man walked up to me and he says, I like this. My wife doesn't like it. Tell me why I should buy it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I wish people wouldn't do that to me. <laughs> uh, I said, well, I don't know why, you know, I can't tell you why to buy it, why you should buy it, but I will tell you about this young man. And I told him, um, he's a man of God. He loves the Lord. He has a calling in that direction. He runs, you know, he's the fourth gen. I just told him this story and I said, he is of good character. And he says, I want that piece on my wall. He says, those are the men we need. And just to have somebody appreciate what I did, um, not so much that they appreciated my son, but that they feel what I, you know, that I got my message across. That that makes you, doesn't it, Kurt, when you do that? That's, that's a, I just, it's a high I can't explain. I did it. You know, Lord, you did it. We did Mm -hmm. it. They got what they're trying to say. And that's, that's a wonderful feeling. It's a different kind of joy than, yes. uh, than the other joy. But. Oh, I love that. I love, you know, here's, here's what strikes me, Sean. And I think it's something we can all really learn from uh, because it's so easy. And when somebody walks up and says, why should I buy that? And you, <laughs> and you get that question of, you know, off and on sounds like. So um, what interests me about that is that you do not say, well, look at me doing this, this, and this. Right. You point to the story, and you point to the character, and you're pointing out all these biblical principles uh, that are right, you know, and you're right, you're very bold about it, because I know a lot of people who are, who are reticent. They're, they don't want to talk about the Lord in these types, especially settings like that, but you're bold about it, and then you see the Lord honor it, because you're, he's you, he's really touching this man's heart or the viewer's heart, whoever it happens to be. And I love that you just go straight to the heart of the matter and don't try and put yourself in competition with other people. No, I am the most uncompetitive person you'll ever meet in your life. And um, that's that's a fact. If you ask, you can ask Dean. Um, I... Philippians says we're all in a race and to keep our eye on the finish line. 
but I, I feel that, that that is just for me to keep my eye on the finish line and to do the best I can do. Not I'm not competing with anybody else in that race. It's just me doing my best, not looking to the left or the right or behind me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I see it. And no, I, I'm, I can very boldly talk about my work. I don't talk about the quality of it, but I mean, that's up to them to them to see but you you give them that i love you know this whole thing you've really kind of zoned in there on what paul was talking about and that's you're living this out which is you're not looking to the right left you're looking at the finish line and this goes back to a theme all through the time our time together and that has been your heart to be in the middle of god's will no matter what right and that's you know, I have to, to do that, I have to stay in the word. It's so easy. And any of us, no matter how godly or holy we can think we are, any of us. I mean, St. Ring Lion, he just, he trips us up. Man, does he ever. And uh, he really wants to see us fall. That's for sure. Yeah. And that your myopia in terms of that finish line mentality is just, it's so you're so myopic. I love that because that you're going to get there uh, when you have a focus. It's that sharp. It's really great. Yeah. It helps. It helps me to, um, and in our case, having to started, start over and begin again. Um, don't look back when you don't look back, don't look behind you to see who you're ahead of or, or where you are in relation to other people in this race, just keep your eye on the finish line. Oh yeah. That's, uh, that's so good. That's so good. Okay. Now we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit for a few minutes and let's just talk about your art and some, how you view painting and what are the, some of the things that you look for in good, solid painting? What are some of the things that you think make good work? Um, well, I, I look for power and impact, uh, initial impact when I view something. Um, I have to, it has to, this is my opinion, um, mm-hmm. it needs to create an instant emotion or reaction from me. And that can come from a lot of different, you know, different reasons. Um, a story is important. But the story is told through a lot of other avenues. It can be told through the, you know, the use of value, color, composition, light, uh, the stroke work, the use of how you handle the edges. All of that play into the impact of the piece and whether your message gets across. Mm -hmm. Uh, A painting, like any other sculpting, music or writing, I... Uh, I actually ended up getting a degree in writing, creative writing, and poetry is something I do on the side, and I love that. Um, But like art, painting, like anything else, has to, or a piece of music, has to have a consistent melody and rhythm about it that um, won't deviate from the story it is trying to tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I look for um I look and being a painter I started out drawing that's what I used to do but when you move into color um color which is Bill Owen shared his 
we talked a lot about color and he's helped me so much. I struggled with it mm. and it was a big help, but I have a little bit, he died as, you know, I wanted to learn so much more, but the knowledge I have helps me a little bit to be able to use that color in various ways, more intense in areas, a lot less intense in other areas, subdued, how to make something pop and be prominent, your, you know, how to make your subject be known as it should be. Mm-hmm. There's a art just like the Bible, you never quit learning. So there's a lot of things there, but actually those are what I look for. Oh yeah, that's oh, that's also interesting. That's really good. Um, what are you working on right now that you're excited about? Well, I, um, I'm really I am excited. I'm in the drawing stages of two medium, medium, large pieces that are. Um, um, yeah, I, I'm in the composition stage in drawing. They're both a dean. They happen to be, but people think, "Oh, you paint. You're the one that paints her husband." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I happen to just because he's there, but uh, that's not the you know, it's not the idea. Um, but one is a backlit piece, which is a challenge. Um, I was talking to Martin Greeley one time, and he was painting a backlit painting. I thought it was beautiful, and he says, "Boy, this was." A challenge and I thought boy that makes me feel good that he thought it was a challenge yeah. <laughs> because it is but it's um, then again I can play with that little bit of knowledge of light of color and value to create that feeling I want and anyway I'm I'm still in the drawing and deciding where all this is going to be but that's an exciting piece for me just because of the light oh, yeah. uh, coming from the back in reading correctly, I like to I like to try things that are going to challenge me a little more and more as I go along. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Well, you know, you can hear that all the time, all of our time together. You can see that characteristic about you—the curiosity, the the wanting to just know more, know more. What a great trait to have that the Lord's given you there. It's it's certainly serving you well. Um, yeah. it, it's very exciting stuff, Sean. It makes life interesting, that's for sure. Well, that's right. You're never bored, are you? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is just kind of an interesting little question. We're getting ready to kind of wrap it all up here. But who from history would you like to have, would you have chosen as a mentor in your art and in your faith? Um, okay. Uh, you know, in, in 2014, I was blessed with Dean to go over to the San Diego Museum of Art and see Joaquin Soroya's display. Oh, yeah. Oh, that just blew me away. Um, I stood before a lot of that work, and I I really, and so then I looked into him, curious person that I am. Yeah, imagine that. Not, not just the, what was before <laughs> me, but who did this, and what kind of person were they? And I, I discovered he was a conservative person. He was a family man. And I thought, well, I like this guy better all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, but I loved his, the fluidity in his work and that he painted the, the real thing, the common man, like 
I do in my mm-hmm. work. But I I would um would have loved to have visited with him and just seen what he was doing. Um, oh man. I I love his work and the I'm um, in everything. One called um sewing the sails. It was a big huge painting of this these women mending a sail mm-hmm. in white, different values of white. And really, I think he's a master of light. The way the light dances and was dabbing on the sail and on the women. And yet it, it wasn't confusing at all. It was beautiful. Oh, boy. It was, anyway, that's, I love him. And then in the Bible, being the touchy-feely person that I am, I love David. <laughs> Oh, yeah. In the Psalms. And um, David was a man after God's own heart. And I love how God shares his heart through David's writing and the the poetry in there. But the promises and the despair, I mean, he shared everything that we feel. And yet he would go straight to the Lord with it. And mm-hmm. I go to sleep at night and I pretend I'm David in a cave and God's watching over me. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's a great image though, Sean. Wow. I love that. It works for me. That's right. Oh, that's really good. That is really good. Now, what, do you have a final word of encouragement for, for those that are listening? Um, yeah, I'll, um, I'll refer to Exodus 33 that I read in a Bible study one time. Um, it was uh, Exodus 33 is about Moses when he was leading the Israelites to the desert. And mm-hmm. he, he was getting discouraged. And he said, Lord, I want to see your glory. Let me see your glory. And the God told him, you can't see my glory, but I will stand you on a rock, which is Jesus. And he says, as I approach, you are going to be standing on the rock. When I'm in your presence, I will put you under the rock, in the cleft of the rock. Mm-hmm. And I will cover your eyes. And when I am past, I will uncover your eyes and you will see where I've been. And I think often, I took that personally. He was telling Moses uh, maybe something different. But to me, it was... God can be working not to give up as I was saying I felt alone and abandoned at that time and um, the God is just because we can't see him doesn't mean he's not there mm-hmm. we will see what he's done after after this time passes and he's he uncovers our eyes but the word of encouragement is just not to get discouraged and think you're abandoned but know that <clears throat> Know that God is working and he sees you. Mm. That's a great word of encouragement, Sean. The imagery that you bring there is just fantastic. How can people keep in touch with you? Well, the best, I only have a cell and I don't give it out. So the best way is my website, seancameron.com. Okay. People go there. They can contact me through the contact page. Super. Well, Sean, Thank you so much for all that you shared. There is just a wealth of encouragement in everything that you have shared with us today. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
Oh, I really enjoyed visiting with you, Kurt. Thank you. I hope we can do it again. You bet. And listeners, thank you for listening to the podcast. Now, don't forget to share this podcast. If you if it's encouraged you, share it with somebody else. You know, this is all about glorifying the Lord and building other people up. So share the podcast uh, with whoever you think it might touch. You can keep in touch with me. I'm on Instagram or on Gab at The Creator's Calling. The word, the uh, music on the podcast is by Christmas and Worship. And please join me next time as together we follow Jesus and listen for The Creator's Calling. Bye for now. <laughs>